Hi, I'm Rob, and this is another episode of Rewind and Review. As always, I'm joined by our very own CGI worm, Jason. I think that's my best title yet. Absolutely, it is. Welcome, everyone. Uh, in a way, we're celebrating two years of Rewind and Review today. Uh, our first episode was James Cameron's Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Um, there's something poetic about this episode two years later, also being a James Cameron movie. Rewind and Review is the retrospective podcast where we have a look at an existing property from the past, delve into its legacy, discuss how it's held up over time, and even give our own personal experiences. Did we watch it as a kid or sometime later in our lives? Right. This episode of Rewind and Review will look at a film that's celebrating its 30th anniversary this year in 2019. So James Cameron, science fiction, pioneering visual effects. Yep. Uh, it all sounds about right. Uh-huh. So let's dive into it. Strap in, submerge, and rewind to 1989. We have to go back! Go back, Sam! What year is it? Are you telling me you built a time machine? It was 1989 and James Cameron had already made a huge name for himself. His director credits so far included Xenogenesis in uh, 1978, Piranha 2, The Spawning in 1982, uh, The Terminator in 1984, and Aliens in 1986. His claim to fame for being the director who would immerse himself in deep research and pioneer new technologies to bring his visions to life was still in the early years. But his first major step into this type of filmmaking came with The Abyss. Spoiler warning, of course, if you have not yet watched The Abyss, uh, this review will contain spoilers. Written and directed by James Cameron, The Abyss is a science fiction film which follows Virgil Bud Brigman, played by Ed Harris, and Dr. Lindsay Brigman, played by Mary Elizabeth uh, Manstrantonio. Yeah. Two formerly married petroleum engineers. Right. When an American submarine sinks in the in the Caribbean or Caribbean, depending on where you live, uh, the, U- the US search and recovery team works with an oil platform crew, including the estranged Brigmans, racing against uh, Soviet vessels to recover the boat and deep in the ocean, uh, they encounter something unexpected. Woo! So, I've got to tell you. Yeah. Uh, hadn't seen this movie. Guess before. what, ladies and gentlemen, this <laughs> yeah. is the first movie that we're reviewing that neither of us had seen. I feel like it was about time that we we found one. Yeah, no, well, you know, like that we just took on a movie that uh-huh. we both hadn't seen. Um, mm-hmm. Big, big name like James Cameron attached to it. Uh, yeah, it's sort of like why haven't we checked this out before? You know, like I, don't, I mean, we've spoken about this movie when we were talking. You know, like the... Um, uh, yeah, like special effects, yeah, yeah. sort of how it came about. Like, And this movie does have that legacy of pioneering forward the CGI that we see in movies today. Yeah. It all kind of stemmed from, you know, hmm. a movie like this. Yeah. Uh, but we will get to that. But I guess, yeah, in terms of uh, where we are personally with this movie, yeah, both first-time viewers... When did you watch it? Um, last night. Stayed up very late and I'm paying for it a little bit today. Um, <laughs> I had to get it done. Had to get it done. I also watched it for the very first time last night. Now, did you watch the extended yeah. cut? 
Yes, but I didn't realise I was until after I watched it. Because <laughs> uh, once I had a look at the notes um, and went through a little bit of the old wiki page, yes, the old wiki it did ping. point out what the differences were, and then so I have seen the extended cut. Sure. So for all purposes going forward, um, <laughs> we have no idea really what the theatrical cut is or the original cut, whatever you want to call it. It yeah. is all extended, so that's the movie we know now. And that that's is what the we're talking about. Yeah, the abyss. Absolutely. It had a budget of forty three to forty seven million. I believe it went over budget, I think, but a lot of Cameron's projects. Yeah, do. it went up to so like three or four million. It, it, or well, it started at like forty one million, I think, uh, and then it moved up a bit, and then it just went up um, as and, he does. Yeah, initially budgeted at forty one, and the box office return on this was ninety million dollars. So this is actually one of the most expensive films of the time. It sort of made back double. So I guess financially, yeah, we just never know okay. what the, we never know what the uh, the marketing budgets are on these. All things, that's so. it, and then obviously paying to put your money, you put, you put your movie in theaters and stuff. It gets complicated. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but generally positive reviews when it came out. Um, at the moment, Rotten Tomatoes it sits at eighty nine percent average, mm. seven point two out of ten. That's from forty four reviews, and Metacritic sixty two out of a hundred from fourteen reviews. So you know, yeah. it's it seems quite. Uh, Modest there, like, you know. Yeah. Looking positive. People enjoyed it. Now, awards. It won the 1990 Oscar for Best Visual Effects, um, which is not a surprise at all. It was also nominated for Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, and Best Sound. Um, Interestingly... There's no franchise attached to this. There's not a a sequel. There's Mm. not a TV series. um, Anything like that attached to it. So, Yeah. yeah. One and done. Now we mentioned the like the special edition, extended edition, which yeah. was actually released in nineteen ninety three. There were deleted scenes put back into the movie. Again, like we don't know which, like you know, what's what. Um, CGI tools developed for Terminator Two: Judgment Day allowed ILM to complete the tidal wave sequence that yeah. you see at the end, as well as correcting flaws in rendering um, for all their other work that they didn't think was, you know good enough yeah, in right. the movie right. um, apparently there was new dialogue and like folly work was recorded as well which is interesting because because it was nominated for best sound which is where the folly field but that would yeah that would have been the original cut though so yeah, yeah very interesting mm. I mean we haven't mentioned Alan Silvestri did the score for Jeez, this movie yeah. um, but he wasn't available obviously to do the, the updates um, so yeah Robert Garrett stepped in on top of the legacy just comes down to mainly it's the CGI usage, the push that ILM obviously got yep. after this as well yeah. from it. And yeah, like we mentioned earlier, movies that we see now, the CGI that we see in movies, Terminator 2, going into Jurassic Park, um, yeah. and then pretty much from Everything. there. Yeah. yeah, like it stemmed from... It was one of those pioneering you know, moments where... And, and, what, and what it's known for, which we're going to discuss, is... The photo photorealistic water and and you know the effects that come with that and you I remember big CGI worms big CGI pseudopods whatever it's called yeah <laughs> well, they call it a pseudopod but it really was just like a water tendril really wasn't it yeah I mean it kind of made me think of like uh, Donnie Darko with the a little bit yeah a little bit different I can I can see that definitely all right let's talk a little bit about the history of this movie um, so it came from an idea from James Cameron when he was in high school. And when he was attending a biology class, it was he was attending a lecture um, about deep sea diving, 
which is interesting because he's super into deep sea diving now. Like documentaries. But, yeah. The Titanic. Taking, yeah. The t- <laughs> taking submarines down to the he made this movie. Trench. <laughs> yeah. He, he's done it, hasn't he? He has, hasn't he? Yeah, he, well, he's like, yeah, he's done like four documentaries about oh, And Avatar 2 is all about underwater. But anyway, cool. Um, so that, that lecture was um, by a guy named Francis J. Felagic is how we're going to pronounce it, who was the first human to breathe fluid through his lungs, which was during experiments conducted by Johannes A. Kilstra. Kilstra? Kilstra. Interesting name. So Cameron wrote a short story yeah, Hopefully we never it. have to say it again. <laughs> um, Cameron wrote a short story uh, on a group of scientists in a laboratory at the bottom of the ocean. In his eventual screenplay, he changed the group from scientists to blue-collar workers. Yeah, I guess he figured, oh, blue-collar workers, people can relate. Yeah, 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 the everyman. Yeah, in 20 years' time, someone's going to kind of do this with, with asteroids. Yeah. So there you go, that's the history of, of where James Cameron came up with the idea. It's a very heavy use of water. Um, it, might be because they're underwater, but yeah. I mean, yeah, it's all about the water, isn't it? It's all about diving. Yeah. Um, the casting crew trained for underwater diving for one week in the Cayman Islands, so they needed to be certified before they could... Makes sense. ...start acting yeah. underwater. And I guess a safety first, OH&S, very important. <laughs> um, fun fact, 40% of all live-action principal photography actually took place underwater. It's not a surprise. Yeah, but the technology wasn't advanced enough to digitally create... Um, an underwater environment. So uh, Cameron chose to shoot much of the movie real for real yeah. um, at depths of up to 40 feet. So they built yeah. they built sets or in the containment building of an unfinished nuclear power plant <laughs> and they used two huge tanks. Giant tanks. Huge tanks. Tanks, tanks of up to 28 million litres. Oh, and then nine and a half million litres as well. Yeah, so two tanks. <laughs> two giant tanks. One tank, 28 million. Yeah. The yeah. other nine and a half million. So they had they had covers on top of the tanks to not let light in. Yeah. Right? Um, but to make it look like they were really deep. Because obviously sunlight still went in. It was all open. They weren't inside. They were outside. Was, Cor- yeah. Correct. And uh, the, the roof on one of them, I think at least one of them tore. And I don't know what their circumstance was. But what that meant was it moved all the shooting to night time. So this, there's like this, oh, okay. this, so the production of this film is all over the shop. Oh, it's really and, bad. Like yeah, <laughs> apparently it's a nightmare. Um, so these tanks had um, covers so they could shoot during day or night and and kind of keep that dark aesthetic. Yeah. of the, of the bottom like of the big, ocean, like a big tarp. Um, Cameron's production company designed and built experimental equipment and developed a state-of-the-art communication system that allowed the director to talk underwater to the actors and dialogue to be recorded directly onto tape for the first time. So Cameron hired Western Space and Marine to engineer helmets which would remain optically clear underwater Mm. and installed state-of-the-art aircraft quality microphones into each helmet. Even, like, you wouldn't even think that, you know, all this stuff would be needed. You know, he wants to be able to record the actors there. He didn't want to, like, ADR it. He wanted the live, like, filming. Yeah. I wonder how much they did actually use of that, though. We'll never know. Because he, so he had the capabilities and he recorded them, but obviously a lot, a lot of that stuff might be done, you know, post as well. I'm sure there would be bits where it's like, oh, they didn't come through clearly, clear enough. Yeah. And, yeah, but I think for the majority of it, it is them in their suits underwater talking and delivering yeah. their lines. So you can hear them, so they're, they're delivering their lines. And also, so you can see the actor, they're actually there. Mm. And I guess normally when you are, like, divers go underwater, 
and they've got those helmets on. I guess they're fogging up. They're getting all yeah. So it's... also they don't have lights inside their mask. They have lights on the outside because mm. when you're actually diving for a job, you're actually meant to be looking at what you're doing. No one, you don't need to see your face. You don't need to see your face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, that you can tell the model. So I guess space, space way, suits do like, the same thing. In is it a little bit of um? I guess for the sake of the movie and oh, definitely. push realism aside, just so yeah. Well, realism has definitely pushed aside in this movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to a point. Well, no, to a in point. saying that, it still is a very relatable environment. So what, they're, 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 you know, the reason they're underwater is they're designing, they're designing a, well, they it's a submersible oil rig, basically. Yeah. That's I don't really know what they're doing. I, they're kind of just completely glowing. No, no, no. So, so um, Lindsay, well, Lindsay and Bud both work together. That's the idea. That the, the whole thing about mm. their marriage is they work together to design this underwater rig. It's meant to, instead of, you know, just basically change and transform the, the oil drilling industry and then they split after all of that. Yeah. But that's what they use. That's their habitat. That's what they're in underwater when they go to uh, search for the, the submarine is in this giant oil rig underwater. Doing that, it just enables, you go from the underwater sets, which are obviously in a big giant tank, to sets that are obviously just in a studio somewhere. That have like water that rushes into it whenever there's a break or something like that. It's pretty James, impressive stuff. We know James Cameron to be like a perfectionist. He wants yeah. things to be as real as possible. He wants things to look as good as yeah. he intends. And <laughs> yeah. because of that, he did kind of create an environment. Uh, and it's not just yeah. the cast; it's the majority of the crew, even the um, the producers. One of them being his wife at the time. <laughs> um, and I think even James Cameron himself has come out and he's like. Yeah, we shouldn't talk about this ever. Yeah, it, a dick. it was a very bad, uh, miserable production. Yeah, um, six months of six day, seventy hour weeks on an isolated set. Yeah, um, you know there were reports that Ed Harris at one point even actually went to punch James Cameron in the face because he just continued filming whilst he was well we nearly he was nearly drowning like but, nearly drowned yeah that's right so there's, there was a couple of times where he, he thought um, that he, he wasn't really going to make it like art over safety I yeah. think like you know but I mean no one died I don't think there was any major mishaps there was there, there's stories there's stories though um, you know this comes out all afterwards but there's stories about what happened on set like there was some times where the crew and the cast would lose their shit in the uh, you know, in their change rooms or dressing room space, and be just throwing stuff everywhere. Out but they would be having breakdowns, and because the, there was so many things that were running behind schedule, so they were basically just sitting down and waiting. But then James Cameron also turned around when he was hearing about all of the shenanigans and like the frustrations of the cast, and then he was saying, "Yeah, but for every hour that they're sitting up there trying to figure out which magazine to read." I'm down here in a tank underwater for that hour trying to figure out how to shoot this movie. So it's a bit of frustration on all sides of things. So you think a lot of the frustration <laughs> came from the cast just being bored? Well, yeah, <laughs> with, with this it's super long. I mean, and um, Michael Bain, Bain, Bean, Bain, Bain. Bain? Yeah, uh. We know, we know who he is. Um, he only had three to four weeks of shooting, but he was on site for double that, and he's saying he's just sitting there doing nothing. Instead of actually shooting, yeah, and so he was really frustrated with it all. Um, so, the, the, so the production was a little bit. But on top of that, like, <laughs> like very few scenes involved stunt actors. It was, it was like the real actors, yeah, in the scenes, in the water, like doing the stunts, doing the scenes. Yeah. So I mean, they are literally being put through, yeah, the scenes. Like, yeah. 
where whether if they're on the water, if the, the the room is tilted, and if they're getting like slammed with water, they're yeah. getting slammed with water. It's it's yeah. it's not fake. Like that's happening. Well, those those scenes where water is rushing down a corridor. And they're like, trying to outrun it. They're yeah. really in that. They're, they're actually trying to outrun it, like trying not to die. Yeah, Ed Harris um, trying to get ahead of that water. Apparently, there was a with couple. With a tank on his back. Apparently, there was a couple um, sort of names that they came up with for the movie: um, "Son of Abyss," <laughs> "The Abuse," <laughs> "The Abyss," <laughs> and I like this one: "Life's Abyss, and then you die." <laughs> I do like that. I like that. That's brilliant. All right. Well, let's. We talked about the water element of it. Let's talk about the CGI. Groundbreaking CGI. Groundbreaking. So Cameron originally considered cell animation or um, a tentacle sculptured in clay and then animated via stop motion. That would kind of be how it is to create their kind of water tentacle or what do you call it? A, a pseudopod? A pseudopod. Pseudopod. I don't know. I read that somewhere. I was like, it's that a sounds about right. Column of water. Um, <laughs> yeah. Phil Tippett, legendary Phil Tippett, suggested that Cameron contact ILM, who is Industrial Light and Magic. Oh, and yeah. there it was. So ILM designed a program to produce surface waves of different sizes yeah. um, and kinetic properties for the pseudo. Yeah. Um, Harris and Menstrantonios. Very hard name to say. Menstrantonio. I think I need to hear it a few times. <laughs> Lindsay. Um, their faces um, were scanned via software used to create the computer-generated yeah. on the he's, water... He's... Worm. That's right, because the water worm looks at them, and then yeah, smiles and nods. That's right. <laughs> but um, so Harris had his face scanned eight times, um, and then Mastrantonio had her face. I think it was twelve times scanned, which is interesting. Oh, a bit more detail. Yeah. Um, but that makes sense because you get a big grin out of her, like the face. That's treat, it. Yeah. So yeah. it would have required a little bit more work. ILM spent six months to create the, and I can't believe this, seventy-five seconds of computer graphics needed for the creature. Felt like a lot longer than that, but yeah. 75 seconds. Um, the animation sequences were supervised by L- ILM animation director Wes Takahashi. Yes. And his name's been popping up a little bit. Um, Has it? Well, me and Luke did a, it sounds like comics with a mask, and uh, this, uh, yeah. Did Taka- Takahashi do that? Oh, yeah. Really? He's in there. ILM, man. All over it. <laughs> ILM are amazing. That's it. I don't think they exist anymore, do they? I think they've kind of been turned into a couple of different fields now. Like oh, Legacy and since, since Stan Winston passed away. Possibly. Anyway, but this was the the golden days, like when they were pioneering. Well, that's it. That's it. They're all making it happening. Um, So the special effects, as good as they were, as pioneering as it was, Mm. there was to get them perfect, get them right. There were delays, and these delays meant delays for the actual movie months, months. So yeah, like you mentioned, the crew sort of sitting around, like production was basically sitting around waiting for things to be, like set into into stone yeah right so um yeah i guess a little bit of a crisis but uh mm. you know i think it all turned out okay in the end yeah i think they were really happy with the with the result. cgi worm yeah yeah i think so just just not the experience that's it cool. all right well we've covered a whole bunch uh, i reckon it's a good time for a break i reckon yep. yeah sounds good cool we'll be right back Hi, I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. And we are the guys from Nut Film Stew. Do you like movie reviews and want to keep up to date with the latest in movie and TV news? Then Nut Film Stew is the podcast for you. Join us every two weeks for some good times, laughs and firm opinions on the things we love. That's right. There's a new podcast released every two weeks on iTunes and SoundCloud. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram as That Film Stew Podcast. That Film Stew Podcast. Listen, comment, follow, share. Let's talk characters. Let's let's keep it let's keep it mainly to the 
To the core. To the core. To the core. The deep core. The deep core. Whoa. Ah. Um, we'll keep it to the the estranged married couple. We've got uh, Virgil Bud uh, Brigman, which I said played by Ed Harris, and Dr. Lindsay Brigman, played by Mary Elizabeth Mantrantonio. So they're, they're, the relationship is set up. They're estranged. Mm. Um, nobody likes uh, Lindsay. Um, not even her ex-husband. <laughs> Although he does. He really does. He does, but like, it's cool when she arrives on the rig because everybody reacts and like, fuck. Like, oh, <laughs> that bitch. Damn, why is she here? Oh, yeah. no. But you know what I really like about um, James Cameron's movies? Like, even though he cops flack for this, as not for not doing this, but my, his female leads are always quite independent and quite strong. And then they... It's different, different I didn't levels that. of that. Yeah, I did notice but that. But even, even back in 89, uh, Lindsay Brigman, they treat her like crap, but she doesn't give two shits. Like, she's just... Yeah. She knows what she wants to do. And she, she's like, no, sometimes you've got to sacrifice. That's what happens. I can kind of see why they would sort of have that opinion of it. It's like, she is loud, abrupt, in your face. Yeah. Get it. Yeah, it's like, okay, She's like, that, I, that this is be... my dream. I'm designing this thing and building it. And obviously, they You were... work for me, deal with it. Yeah, and there must yeah. be, obviously, with the divorce and the separation and obviously her involvement, she knows everyone. You know, like, well, yeah, there they must be. Side, a bit they of would definitely there. side with him anyway because he's the crew. Like, he's. He's, he's the man. He's there, mate. Yeah, yeah. He's there. Whereas there. she's up the top, out like. Yeah, like, she's I was going to say, like, just for this. he's on the ground with them, but it's like. They're underwater. They're underwater, yeah. So he's a relatable dude. Um, I I love look both of these both both performances I really enjoyed. Like he's got a baseball cap, you know, like automatically a a guy you can relate to. You're like, yeah. Ed Harris wasn't a bad looking dude when he was a little bit younger. I it was so hard to recognize. I was like, he's so young, he doesn't look like Ed Harris. Nah, it's his eyes, man. It's his eyes. It's still there. He's, yeah. He becomes very stern in his older years. See, I haven't yeah. seen anything. This is my first foray into um into young Ed Harris. I think the youngest was probably... He's not even young because he's still got he's still balding, isn't he? But The Truman Show was probably the youngest role I know him from. Oh, even that. Even that. Oh, what's that? So... Even that, he looks so different. Yeah. That, and that's only like five years later. Yeah. And then you get into like um, Enemy at the Gates and stuff like that and then Beyond and it's like, yeah, he's turning into a much more mature older man. But this is quite... He's quite young. And then mm. nimble and... Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's quite... It's only 89. It wasn't that long ago. But... No, but it's just something about it just looks so different. But uh, I say saying that to somebody who wasn't even born yet, but that's fine. Or were you born? No, I wasn't. Ninety. Ooh, the, the abyss outdates me. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Anyway, um, I like their chemistry, particularly how you, it's very very clear how they start. You know that they're married. Like you see immediately that he's wearing a ring, and then they allude to that later. Yeah, they have a conversation about it. Like, oh, you still wearing it? Blah blah blah. But you see that they're. Is a little bit of the chemistry there, but you can tell that yeah, no, they're not really super compatible mm. until they start revealing a little bit more about themselves down the road, and then all of a sudden the chemistry is there, and it's like, yep, you can I mean, tell that you can of, tell that they want to be together. With like with a movie like this, where you have people in this situation, things go south, and then you know you've you've got these lead characters. You can either have two setups. You can have uh, like a male and female lead who, you know, they've just met each other and, yeah. you know, they form a relationship and they fall in love in the movie or do it this way where it's like they reconcile and they, yeah. you know, there's stuff being resolved. And I think it's more interesting this is my to favorite. do it this way. It's, same thing happens for Twister. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, same yeah. thing happens. They come together, like, come together, they're genuinely on different pages and then over the course of the movie, 
the chemistry is kind of reignited and yeah. they're, they're together I mean, You follow the same sort of steps as, you know, when you build a relationship on screen with, like, people we've just met. But this way, it's like, it feels like there's a little bit more baggage to yeah. it. So, and seeing as the production was such a hellish shoot, reading all that and then seeing the way these guys portray these characters, and especially the, the more emotional moments in the movie, it's like, I can't believe how hard it was on them, you know, re- looking into how hard it really was. <laughs> because it just it's just a nod to when you get good actors who have the chemistry, they can, just, they can convince you of anything. No, like, the, there were so, some amazing scenes with them, like... Um, when Ed Harris, well, the CPR when, scene, the CPR you? scene, yeah, when when yeah. Bud is just screaming, Ed Harris starts screaming. I was like, holy shit! So, not gonna lie, there was a, a wife cry during that moment, <laughs> um, and it was, I was a little bit like, oh my god, because that scene itself, bloody brilliant, because mm. they do give up, and then you know, there's a cliche start again moment, mm. and you're like, oh, obviously she's gonna come back away, but even that draws out to a point where it's like. Oh my god! They really I, killed her. They really killed her. I honestly thought I was like, nah, she was under for way too. I was like, she's not coming back. And then it, it sort of evolved into a scene of like, okay, now he's just getting desperate. It's yeah. not so much of I'm determined and I will, like, I will yeah. get this done. It was more like, wow, no, he's just he's in denial now. Yeah. And he's desperate, and I thought that's what it was. It reminded I did, me I th- of the Charlie CPR. Scene I was waiting for I was waiting yeah. for him to punch her in the chest. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he was going to town, but Matthew Fox style, just boom. <laughs> but it even went beyond that. I mean, he slapped her a few times. <laughs> a couple of times. Now, interesting thing, we talked talked about the hell is shoot, and these particular these two characters, they had a hard time. That particular scene, um, Mary actually at some point. Um, so you know, she's sitting there. She's virtually topless. They're all soaking wet. And the scene was repeated so many times and she was getting slapped in the face. And so at some point, something happened with the camera and she's like, fuck it, I'm out and, and left. And so some of the scenes where Ed Harris is screaming at her, she's not... There's no one there. <laughs> well, that's fine, yeah. Um, and, I mean, that's acting. That's, that's how it works. I mean, we just talked about you know, Fellowship of the Ring, Lord of the Ring. A lot of those shots were like the... the the to and fro shots were done in, like years apart from. Oh, each that's other. it. Yeah, like, and that's the so. magic of movie making. Yeah. Um, and not to be, I'm not trying to be funny here with that, but in that scene where you know she does have a her, her shirt open. Yeah. I feel like that is the most realistic sort of um, CPR. Yeah, I kind of scene where it was hard hitting. Man. Where like you in other movie you would see you know it's like it, it, the person's body is covered. It's like in the moment you wouldn't give a shit about her. Yeah. You know like. Her pride, her, having her covered up, and obviously when they do believe that she is dead, they cover up, you know, in like all yeah. sort of respectful things. But it's like I was very surprised to just be like, "Wow, this is so real!" That they were just like, "We need to get to her flesh, yeah, to put the you know the the zapper things on." Yeah. It was just like, like rip, rip, rip it, it open, open, get it done. It, it was, was like, wow, that's really real. Like, I'm not gonna lie, it for me, it was the most realistic CPR scene I've ever seen. I've never seen anything like it, and it it was a hard hitting scene. It really got me. The moment she drowns purposefully and he watches her die and you he see his reaction and it's like and then it's game time and he's and he's talking to him he's talking him through it saying we're coming get this get that get that and you know that he said he estimated only about eight minutes between yeah. so he's talking him through it and they're running around for a few minutes only and then away you go and then they see him coming in the with the camera and he's dragging her like lifeless body under like a kilometer of water or something <laughs> And again, I think that's one of those scenes where it's like, it is actually them. It's yeah. those two actors. Yeah. Like, 
Oh, surely not. Surely I know. I think Mary. that I think that was one of the ones that was referenced when I was looking up, like you know, what is real? Yeah, right. So. That's crazy. But yeah, uh, and then but in that the in that scene, like, I was like, cause obviously watching this for the first time, like. I didn't know who dies, what or, you know, yeah. or, or who survives. I guess I actually thought Lindsay was dead. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry, that again. Sorry, I honestly thought Lindsay was dead. Like, there was... yeah, I thought they did it properly in that moment. I mean, they set it up. It was like she said to him, "Like, you already have the suit on. Just put the helmet on." I was expecting like some hatch door to open and then them to be like sucked out. Yeah, but like she dead set died, and I was like. What? <laughs> like, oh, okay, they're actually doing this. Yeah. And I was expecting, I don't know, the aliens would rock up and save her or something. Something crazy. But no, nothing. Just, yeah. She died. She died. She legitimately and died. They... they had to resuscitate her. They gave up resuscitating her. And then it's just him losing his shit, trying to get her back. And then she... And her coming back wasn't a cliche of cough, cough, cough. It was like you saw like a flurry. like There was activity, but there wasn't like a cliche moment of it was almost like water. she was still choking as she was coming to love yeah. her. Do you know what? My two cents on, on this, though, on, on this story element, I think they should have let her die. I think just for... Just the intensity, the moment, the story, for Bud's character. Yeah. You know, why not? It, you know, we were near the end However, of the movie. Though, but the next scene, you know, when he's going down into the abyss, the, you know, the namesake of the movie, it... It wouldn't have had the emotional weight of obviously that's when they're like, reconciling over there, yeah, like walkie-talkie mics, yeah. things, whatever. He, the other thing with that, I don't really understand why he needed to go down there. I know it was to disarm that warhead, but yeah. why? But well, couldn't they just leave it, or was it like, you know, we don't want it to explode? No, because they were going to die. They like said the concussion. They're on the edge of the cliff. The concussion knock them free and they would bloody fall down oh okay the whole point was like they also worried about the the aliens as well but it was also (laughs) it was about saving them and when he said I'll cut it and then they go like there's no explosion they're like yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, that well that was my interpretation of it was that they needed to because it was going to I, d- I mean I just figured because it was like a 50 50 kiloton bomb or something well I figured they needed to like like, you know like disarm it Purely so it didn't cause any damage, but I was like, once they're out of there, you know, it's in the middle of the ocean. Like, uh, yeah. like, uh, but don't forget, there's a hurricane, so they weren't getting out of there either. That's yeah, it. So obviously, was it stuck. was a current threat. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll get some other the other cast. I guess there's a couple of standouts. Um, you have Todd Graff played the character Alan Hippie Carnes. He's a dude with the rat, and that's what makes him interesting. He has a rat. He loves that rat. He puts yeah. that rat into a little bag. It's cool, just to keep it safe. That also almost killed him by doing like that, because the rat's floating in the bag. I was thinking that. I was like, is <laughs> like, there air? Like, and it was like, <laughs> it was like inflated a little. So I was like, mm, that is airtight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no holes in that. Yeah. That's poor, poor rat can't breathe. But no, I wasn't saying the rat. I was saying, I was saying the character. Because he go, risks his life to get. Oh, he put his life. Pick up the floating. I'm rat. all about the safety and of the, the rat. Yeah, the... right. We also had uh, Leo Burmester. Burmester uh, played Catfish de Vires. Vires. Yeah, he's a classic guy. Got a beard, wears a bright shirt, looks chilled. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't like swimming in cold water. Yeah. Here's the thing with But the... then still does. <laughs> Here's the thing with the crew. Well, like, you know, who, who isn't Bud and isn't Lindsay. It's like, 
you know, it's a ragtag group of people. They're, they're kind of interchangeable on their personalities. To me, this movie not, is Armageddon really... underwater, and for that reason, they're all like well, they're all riggers, but that's not the point. They're all eclectic members yeah, of that. That's thing. it. No, no one really stands out, but at the same time, no one's really boring enough that they're like unforgettable. It's just that it's like you know, we need an assortment of characters, we need an assortment of people. Yeah. No one really has any arc or any sort of oh, no, there's, real hardcore defining qualities. So, them as a group has like an arc, but them yeah. as individual characters, there's not much. Well, they there. generally they're, are. As they're a group. just there so to. During the big milestones, they're as a group. Well, that's it. Like during the CPR scene, they're a group support huddling together. That's it. During it's about. The, it's the scene, fact that they are a group, they're friends, they all work together, yeah. and they're essentially a family. Now, I do have to say, before we watch this movie, and it, I, as you're getting introduced to these little characters, like you, 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 you meet one night in a little sub, mm. you know, and she's got a bit of attitude about her and stuff, and like you're seeing all these little quirky bits. You see him dancing to while he's Lisa. Uh, yeah, Lisa, yep. one night, one night standing, one night standing, one night standing. <laughs> Very funny. Um, who was played by Kimberly Scott? But uh, as you introduced to these characters, right, I couldn't help, and I turned around to the wife and I said, "Oh, she has to die." I was just like, they were introducing quirky characters, and I thought the stereotypical thing to do would be, like, get, you get a little bit of connection, and then at some point they are going to die. In some way. So I thought Hippie was going to die. I thought One Night Standing was going to die, and I did think I thought Catfish was going to die. There are some deaths in this movie, but but they're not from them. <laughs> it's like I don't know the characters that died. No, and if they were uh, like established characters, it's like no. I don't know. I Tell mean, I'm what. looking at this cast. It's, to be honest, I don't know the names of half of the characters no. and all the actors attached to them. Like, no. you show me their picture, I'll be like, oh yeah, that character, yeah. blah blah blah. But I mean, you could say there's the army guys, and then there's the, the oil riggers. You got the oil riggers and the army dudes. Um, but I don't know who who really, other than the, the three I just mentioned. But the other guys that die, it's very tragic how they die, though. You know, they drown. Yeah. Because the door closes on them. <laughs> but I mean, but, but he's there, and he's like, cut the cut thing. But it's too late. It's, it's too late. Well, you mentioned the the US Navy SEAL dudes. Yeah. Michael Bine, as you said earlier. Bean Bine. Bean Bine. Boon Bine, Bine, Bine. Uh, Lieutenant oh, Aliens. <laughs> Aliens and... Oh, he's a, pro, he's a regular a... collaborator with James Cameron, isn't he? Aliens True. and Terminator. Anyway, that's bad. Um, <laughs> it's not important. So, but Mark, um, Michael Bean, though, yeah. Um, but Lieutenant Hiram Coffee. Or Kofi. Coffee, I think it is. I don't know. I'm going by what the internet told me, not uh, from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think they call him Coffee. But um, I don't think they say many of the characters' names, hey. I don't know. I, it's just something that I just missed. I just didn't get anyone's name. Yeah, I don't know. He's great. Cause so, so he ends up by suffering, what do they call it? Deep sea dementia or something like that? So, yeah. they refer to it as, yeah. They refer to it. So there's a sickness that gets one, the in, one in ten people get. Yeah. Um, where they kind of go a little bit crazy and off the ra- rails. Now... It has to be said with this movie, there's an overarching, and this is with the specifically with the extended. I don't know what happens with the theatrical, but there's an overarching like sense of war. It was war between, not war, but like the threat of war between you know Russians and Americans and everything like that. It's post Cold War, which is a bit weird, but there's still that threat there. And so what happens? His craziness manifests as if he thinks the Russians are coming to get him, and he needs mm. to send a nuke down to. Down, down the abyss to kill them all because like the glowing things are Russian spies and he needs to do all of this, and it's because he's he's losing his sense of rationality. You get some good scenes with him though, like oh, I think he's weird. Great. 
and, you know, in terms of like, you know, he's he's kind of the antagonist of the film, although mm. he's not really doing anything too. Like he's not doing anything evil. He's kind of just doing his job and what he thinks is right. And yeah. Obviously, he's affected in the situation by all of that stuff you talked about. You know, like the scurvy of the deep sea diving, whatever <laughs> it's called. Um, no, it's like yeah, deep sea dementia. Or deep something. sea dementia. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the performance as well, like when you know, like you, you get like a little, you get those little like like sub. Like a like a car chase thing underwater, like that's kind of cool. Yeah, I thought that was that's like, that's like the movie pretty slowly, but it's and then <laughs> it's he, still pretty intense. And then he does die. He's something. Blows it up. implodes. So so they yeah they're running around and he's let go of the nuke and it's now traveling down to the abyss, which which will go off in some certain time. Who knows when it was going to go off? But yeah, they're ramming each other's subs. He gets a crack in his screen, but he loses the engines engine power, and as he falls into the abyss, mm. the pressure squeezes it and crushes him. Which is really incredible. <laughs> so something else. Yeah, the studio, I wanted to point this out because it's on little little facts that I found when I was researching. Um, he, The studio lobbied for him to get um, an a Academy Award, but it didn't happen. The studio oh, successfully yeah. lobbied uh, to get Michael Bean nominated for Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Very interesting. Very worthy. I enjoyed it. I mean, out of the, the three actors in this movie, I think they're doing a, a hell of a job. Obviously... Ed Harris, Mary Elizabeth, uh, Monastrone Soup, or whatever her name is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Minestrone Soup. Um, and of course, yeah, Michael Bine. Yeah. Bean. He, and he was, and he was, <laughs> he was a, geez, we're doing amazing today. Um, it was, but it was a standout role. I thought it was really, really well done. You hated him. God, you hate him. I hated him. Especially that's what sitting, you want. You want sitting, there, sitting there cutting his arm with a knife, and you're like, yeah, you're crazy, man. You're crazy. Yeah, it's like, oh, you're cool, aren't you? You're cool. That's the characters, I guess. Couple of them die. You mentioned sort of you know like there's like that that threat between like the U.S. government and Russia, like the, Russia or the Soviets or whatever. Yeah. It's 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 cool because this movie like it opens it kind of sets it up as like it's going to be like a political thriller type thing, yeah. sort of in vein of like a, a Tom Clancy novel or movie, yeah. I guess you know where it's sort of like you know there's going to be some conversations and there's that threat it's and it's like yeah it's being yeah. like what's going on, and then the movie sort of it kind of turns into like a like an actiony sort of disaster type movie mm. where you know things are things are collapsing. There's people in peril. There's water. There's fire. There's big heavy metal objects. There's people with guns. Like what's going on? And then then you get these moments with like these alien type creatures or whatever yeah. they are. These deep sea abyss beings. And it's like, yeah. it kind of turns into like a Steven Spielbergian sort of, you know, in the vein yeah. of like E.T. Where it's yeah. like, Alvin Silvestri's music is playing and it's like something somber and it's like magical. And it's like, what yeah. is this? It's like, yeah, weird. It's and a- then it goes into like this techno thriller again where it's like, they're underwater and they're trying to disarm <laughs> warheads and they're giving CPR to people yeah. and people are dying. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's all over the shop. And then there's the end, which we won't get to now, but... Yeah, it's a bit different. This movie's—it's all over the place. Yeah, it really is. It's a—it's uh, pe- a, it's a mixed bag. But I mean, but, but people people re- responded to that. Like critics responded to that and said, yeah, like the pacing was a bit off. And they also said that the third act—it's like you you get the thriller almost the whole way through until the third act, and when they you know just as as they're deciding to go down to disarm the bomb. That's when it kind of turns into surreal, surreal stuff. Yeah, well, like, you see the lights and like the aliens. You see them throughout the movie, but you don't 
get what's going on. Like you see the water, the water snake thing. Yeah. You don't understand what's happening. It's just a, it's a thrilling moment where you, it's like, whoa, what the heck is that? But do you know what's, what I, what I found. But it's only when you're, yeah, finished. What I found the watching the movie is yeah. that putting, putting that water snake thing, that scene in the movie, and then like nothing sort of happens with it. Mm. Obviously, it's, it's a, it's a motivational tool for like coffee, and he's like, it went straight for like, the nuke. Like that's a yeah, that's the threat, and we need to. I need to action that and uh, yeah, get onto that and solve that issue. There's that, but I mean, other things could have could have been used instead of like an alien thing. Yeah. And then at the very end of the movie, it's sort of like the aliens are just back again. Hmm. It's sort of like if you remove the alien element of of this movie, like out of the picture. You still get the same, essentially, yeah. almost the same movie. You, I, and I think you would get a really good movie yeah. with a, a lot of action, a lot of uh, intense scenes, a bit, a lot of suspense, and uh, short performances. Movie, yeah, it wouldn't even be that sh- much shorter. Uh, yeah. I mean, what this is, uh, this cut that we watched was like three hours, forty-five minutes, or forty minutes or so. Take out the scenes with the aliens and any context uh, of the aliens. Yeah, you probably shave like fifteen minutes off the movie. Yeah. Okay. That's say like three hours forty-five. I meant two hours forty-five. So it would still be, it would still be like a two and a half hour movie or close to it. But the aliens are why the submarine crashed in the first place. Yes, but submarines crash for reasons. Like it could have been something. It, they could have legit been. No, I mean they could have been another. Obviously, this movie is about the like the aliens are there. So yes, correct. Okay, but I mean if the you, movie is about the aliens at the bottom it, of the abyss. Yes, but there's <laughs> so much. There's so much going on in the movie. That I feel like you just didn't need them. Yeah, I can you see that. You just didn't. And do you know what? That scene with the with the CGI worm, it was actually it was written into the into the script of the screenplay, so that it could actually be removed in, if, it, if the effects were shit. If they were like, yeah, right. this doesn't work, we got to take it out. They could do it with ease without affecting the story. And I think that proves. That it's like you can actually just take all the context of the aliens out. We well, could. I if mean, you, you'd have to come up the, with another reason you, for the sub sinking in the first place. If you took the pseudopod out, right? So what that does is it explains to the cast and then to the audience as well that the aliens control water. Yep. And then when you get the tidal waves at the, the end. Yeah. So if you took that. If you took one of those components out, you'd have to take the whole thing out. Exactly. So yeah. if you took their tidal waves out as well, then yeah, yeah, you probably have a seamless movie where it's just it's basically they. I feel like there's a better movie where it's about hey, this sub like sunk for mysterious reasons. Mm. This crew goes down. Like obviously the same plot elements because it, it is all there. You've got the same characters. It's like they go down. Mm. They investigate. Um, the Navy SEAL guy loses his shit. There's all this the hurricane. There's all this threat. They're watching the media and stuff, reporting. You know, like the Soviets still lining. Literally everything is still there in the movie. Yeah. And then that pushes him, and you know, they have to deal with him. And then there's a warhead, yeah. and then you know they kill Lindsay because it's mm. intense. And mm. then Bud is like, "I need to go stop the warhead. I'm hell depressed now because you're dead. <laughs> Got to go down there." And then he dies anyway as well. And it's like, wow, what a dark movie, but that was intense. There's a lot of action and fun stuff that you could get. <laughs> I'm just saying, could have been a better movie. I hear you. I hear you. For the most part. I mean, that is all in the movie, except Lindsay survives. Everyone survives. Yeah, that's right. out loud. And that there are aliens. There are aliens. Do you want to talk about the aliens? Uh, like, what, what are they? They look like glowing stingray people. Yeah. 
That's the what I called them. I mean, at the very end, there's that one that does like a look, you know, alien, like you know, like we're talking the big eyes and the big head. Yeah. Well, it's not. It's a tiny head. Big eyes on tiny head. Oh, okay, I suppose. But I mean, like in terms of okay, yeah, it is. Yeah. okay, it's a small head. <laughs> but, but they they kind of it's like they're in like glowing spaceships that look like big stingrays. Yeah. Um, there's that one that looks like a, it's like a glowing beam. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was weird, just in terms of, like, how real this movie is and feels. It's just, again... It detracts away like, from it, you reckon? I feel like it just became a different movie when you have these glowing things. And not... And maybe... Not because it's, like, because there was some sort of creature thing down there. It was just... Mm. I guess the way that they were designed, the way they looked... I just feel like it didn't fit with the type of movie. Yeah. I feel like it was just two or three different movies mixed together and it was very I have strange. a differing opinion, right? I get what you're saying. I can hear it and I, I see what you, see what I understand what you mean. However, I feel that this movie by just being called the abyss, the concept of a dark unknown space deep 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 down. Mm. There needed to be something a mystery down there in this like in this movie it had to feature something unknown in order to be to hold that title because they weren't in an abyss they were on the very edge of a of a, mm. of, a of a trench but they they themselves were only a you know several thousand well, they, feet I under feel the, like underwater. I feel like the plot should have um, put the characters at least pushed them to get to have the need to actually go into the abyss a lot earlier in the movie discover the creatures aliens whatever you want to call mm. them down there and actually have but they, they did that. Have the, no, but I mean, not, not no, not until... No, the, no, because they, you like, know, not every encounter the they end. have with it, with the things. But they had, it was like, it was two encounters. It was uh, Lindsay sees that one glowing thing, and then... Lindsay sees the big ship. Oh, that, then, that's in the same scene. That's in the same, sorry, that's the and same then scene. And then there's the scene... And then the, there's the worm. The sh- there's the worm, and then there's also the scene with their colleague who panics. In the submarine, when they're searching the submarine, and then something appears, and you don't I actually see it. You don't actually see it. I suppose, but I don't know. They're just—it's just so quick and minor that when you're looking at like a, a movie that's almost three hours long, yeah, that it's just like it's so minimal. Spielberg did the same with the shark. He didn't no, really, but he didn't it really was, show you. It was still—it's not about showing. It's the fact that everything that sort of is happening in the movie is not even reliant on the fact that there is a thing under there. There's just all this other stuff happening. Like hmm. when Bud and Lindsay are, you know, are, are drowning in that thing. Yeah. Literally, all the tension and all the emotion and stuff that's in that scene has nothing to do with the aliens. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like it's, it, and a lot of the scenes play that way. It's yeah. like it's the situation, and it, you know, the reason mm-hmm. that their the whole their whole station thing like drops is because there's a, you know, there's an issue with the crane that yeah. aliens didn't make that happen or whatever yeah. it was. There wasn't some sort of, sap- it was just an ex- just a chance thing that the crane malfunctioned and yeah. it hit the thing. And then all, everyone started like, and yeah. that created the situation. It was like, there's just, mm. there was just so much happening that I just, just didn't need that. I don't know. I know. I can, and I, can, I know I it's like, feel you, but there's like I, a, I, I guess can. there's also a message, I guess at the end of the movie as well, where it's like, uh, only in our cut, and the extended cut. Are you talking about... Well, because... You need to stop fighting each other. Well, yeah, well, because it's yeah. like Bud shows him that it's like he was willing to sacrifice himself to disarm it. Yeah. 
and it's like so they go okay we won't wipe out humanity because you seem like a top bloke yeah and it's like you okay, love, you nice love your life okay cool we won't kill billions so of the people. message of the movie is um you know like don't destroy yourselves with these nuclear weapons yeah. we might as well destroy you before you do it yeah look but oh no you i have to it. admit i did when i was watching like the, the very last part of the movie where you're watching bud interact with the aliens i was rolling my eyes a little bit i was a little bit like oh gosh. i just feel like, nose again just coming but, out of this movie that was just so like intense and real mm. that it's just like like what is happening you know what movie did the same thing to me Spielberg with um, um, AI, artificial intelligence. Oh yeah, where it was a, it was you know it's not not relatable, but it was a, like a, a dystopian future with robots and everything running around yeah. everywhere. I remember really liking then, the first half of that movie, so I think. But yeah. the tail end of it, that it goes so far into the future. There's aliens who have come to Earth, and they're kind of looking through all of the history, and then they find yeah. Harry Joel Osment's character. And it just took away from all of the journey. and the, When it's such a yeah. beautiful first half where it's about this kid robot. Like, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kid robot in a relatable time, and then all of a sudden it's just so far out. But anyway, I I mean, visually, I liked the aliens anyway. I thought they were great. Look, look, As standalone visuals, like the, like the effects of them, the look of them hmm. works, and they look good. Yeah. In terms of... I think it's mainly that glowing thing that... Lindsay first sees and I'm just like, what is that? It looks like a Pokemon. Like, quick, throw a ball. Well, that's what it. they say. It's a, it's a like an ROV. It's like a, like a yeah, little, they, su- little sub. They goes, actually it's do like think our it's version like of a, yeah, it's like a scout thing. Anyway. But this movie is so real, and I, we kind of glossed over it before. You know, we we're talking about the like the rats. Yeah, and they they put the rat in the liquid, and this movie does have that concept of the oxygenated fluorocarbon fluid, which is what James Cameron was. Yeah, listening about like that lecture. That original lecture, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's real. Breathing fluid. So real oxygenated fluorocarbon fluid was actually used in this movie, yeah. in the rat fluid breathing scene. Um, obviously, we mentioned Dr. Johannes Kilstra and Dr. Peter Bennett of Duke University. They pioneered this technique and they yeah. actually consulted on the film as well, like as you would imagine from James Cameron. Yeah. Um, so that rat in that tank... Is really in it's breathing really in there. fluid, and really... apparently they used a few rats. There were about five of them. They all survived. They were all unharmed, despite um, some like organisations claiming that this movie was bad in terms of treatment on animals. But apparently they were all fine. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure the animals were stressed the f out. When it was well, happening. there's actually <laughs> every rat that they put into that liquid actually defecated themselves um, in the momentary panic. Yeah, right. Of obviously starting to breathe. Yeah, right. In the fluid, like they just didn't understand what was happening to their body, which oh. is understandable. I mean, and Bud, so Bud goes through the same thing. Although Ed Harris didn't actually do, no, he it. did. It's not no. real, but um, I love. There's a quote that the uh, military guy says. Ah, oh, I wrote it down, but um, he says something along the lines of, "Don't panic, let it pass." Um, we breathe, we breathe liquid for nine months of our lives. Your body will remember how to do it. That's yeah, interesting. And, it was, and I looked at at Laura and I was like that's so incredible like the that was the moment step. where I was like okay I completely buy this now <laughs> he's like it relax, then, it'll, your body will remember your body will remember and then it does and that's like and then that's when brilliant. we looked into it and I was like wow this is all real and like yeah. did the research and I was like wow like yeah I so I honestly thought <clears throat> that it was all science fiction until I did the research and found out that that stuff actually exists and I'm really like, interested to find what? out more about that so 
how crazy is that? That you can, yeah, gosh, you don't even, yeah, it's amazing. So, uh, anyway. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, the point of all that was this movie takes steps to be, like, super realistic. Yeah. And, like, you know, be as real as possible. Yeah, and then, but then, the, and then, and then there's just of it. Ed Harris watching the news on this giant... <laughs> and, he, <laughs> oh, no, and he no. does say, oh, you even watch our TV. Um, or our television or something like that. Look, I don't... I yeah, look. I, I I like it. I understand what you're saying. If you like I get, it, I get it. that Don't, it changes. Uh... <laughs> it changes. It changes the uh, the tone of it. I get it. But I really like like the design of the aliens, and I like that there was some mystery down there. Yeah, I've also yeah, read. Absolutely. Have you read? You probably haven't. Um, there's a book called. Um, it's by some a Swedish or a Danish perhaps author called The Swarm, and it's such a similar concept of a living like not just an organism but like a completely different species of something that lives in the deep depths of the ocean and they actually turn the oceans against humans because of all the pollution and stuff but what? they're actually single cells but they all collaborate together so like they come together and all of a sudden that's all of the collective of cells is a big giant blob you know like it can do it can do stuff with the water so it's very similar but it's not it's no. really not but it's a very intriguing book, and so I've read that in my past, so I've kind of connected it. And it's like, I think my issue, right? I think I just... It's the Swarm, if you're ever interested. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, they fall for. But I think my issue is I, I just wanted whatever creature was down, or creatures were down in the abyss, to just F those people up. I just wanted... I wanted this to be... Look, these characters get stuck deep in the water. They're, they're, they're trapped there. And now they have to contend with these well, you know aliens. What? And it, you know, though, it's, it's, just... a time, it's a time, like the time that that movie was made and, and a reflection on Cameron as a director, but he, he he was already pioneering tech, right, and special effects, and he knew the limits of what he could do. And that's one reason why he didn't do Avatar for, until much later than it was done, because he knew he, what he wanted and he couldn't do it. If he wanted to have a conflict between them, think of what that would have looked like in 89 compared to, like, nowadays... I think that at a drop of a hat to be done without even a question. For sure, yeah. Whereas back then, they, if he is such a perfectionist as everybody is saying he is, he probably wouldn't have even entertained the idea because he knew it would look crap. I guess the movie I I I, I wanted from this, I suppose, was Alien. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I mean, not that he did. He didn't do Alien. He did Aliens, but yeah. Um, you know, the follow-up. It was the second one, wasn't it? Do you, do you know what I wanted from this movie? Have you have you seen the the modern movie? Um, it was only last year called Life with Jack Gyllenhaal. Yes, I wanted that underwater. I th- I wanted something. I wanted the I wanted thing like, to be in the abyss yes. to be a creature that like took over the. the thing. I wanted I wanted the water because I knew there was like a water CGI beam, and I think I just expected that water beam to at some point. Like, go inside someone's mouth and then, like, explode their body. Yeah. I just wanted some, like, crazy shit. And I guess it's my fault because I just didn't get that movie yeah. at all. But it isn't. It's completely different. I'm, yeah. I was completely like, wow, this is not what I expected. Yeah, gen- generally wasn't what I expected either. Um, but, yeah, I think I wanted something, like, life crossed with, like, the Meg. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Maybe not as goofy as the Meg. Life is a good movie, too. It is. I really enjoyed that movie. Our soundtrack score. Probably score. the last thing we probably need to mention. Silvestri, we all love him. Avengers. We touched him a little bit. Like, I mean, besides the opening title, where you get that sort of 
I, I guess the most recognisable thing yeah. of this track of this movie. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, it's when you have those moments with the alien creatures where it is a little bit more somber and yeah. quite, and it does kind of kind of dip into like a John Williams type. Well, it goes, it like goes a little bit of style. Third, you know? Well, I was going to say Close Encounters, that kind of yeah, feel. not as like because that kind of had like the like. I don't want to say techno, but like yeah, yeah, electronic yeah. sort of beeps the and synth stuff. Yeah, it, maybe. so it's not so yeah. much like that. It was, yeah, but there was like an emotional depth. Well, there's a wonder like when you're in the presence of the aliens slash people that live under the water, whatever you want to call them. What do they call them? <laughs> Non-terrestrial. I'm just let's just go intelligence just NTIs. Go they call them. <laughs> um, but aliens, so bit. There's like a little bit of a like a wondrous feel and like it's definitely there. It lifts like so when when the light. Because the aliens are only seen with the presence of their light, right? As in, that's how they're introduced, is the environment lights up. Yeah. Everything, all the electric circuits go crazy and die, and then the light appears. And there's a wondrous undertone that comes that Alan Silvestri puts in the in the soundtrack. So you get all that gritty, crazy stuff happening, and then it's like... Oh. It's not really like that, but it's, <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's definitely a, a tonal shift in the sound. Yeah. It goes backwards and forwards. I like it. Um... Yeah, yeah, I like it actually. It's this is my consensus on on this score. Fine. Don't remember the theme. I don't think there is one. It's it's basically just that orchestra at the, at the start, which is just sort of like one note, really. But I mean, in terms of you know how I feel about Silvestri, this well, has got to be maybe as it, although it works and it's fine. One of his weak is just because it's not. I guess it's just I not don't think big. They were chasing. Yeah, the, they weren't like going a, big. They yeah. weren't going bombastic. But uh, I know sometimes. Hmm. That's fun. The Avengers carried through the environment. Oh, that, sorry, created it atmosphere works. for the movie. Yeah, that's fine. Um, all right. Well, what do you reckon? Have we, co- have we covered everything. I you got think anything that's else? The movie. We'll do our rating shortly, but we'll do a quiz break. Yeah, we'll, we'll, do, it, we'll do our quiz we'll before do our, we get there. We'll do our quiz break. All right. So if you're new to the show, what we do is ten questions, sixty seconds. Yeah. This time around, I'm asking Rob the questions. Yep. What is the name of the nuclear submarine that crashes at the beginning of the movie? The starts with M. Goddamn. Can't remember. I'll come back to it. Which sports team logo is on Bud's hat? Oh, no. No idea. What is the code name of the rescue operation for the sunken sub? Oh, I wrote all these down. No, I can't remember that what either. What does Bud throw into the toilet? A ring. His wedding ring. Correct. What is the name of the hurricane closing in? Uh, It's a lady's name. No, it's a man's name. And they said it should always be named for later. Can't remember what is it. Oh, keep going. What color suit is Lindsay wearing in the submersible that she pilots down to deep core? White. Incorrect. What nickname does Catfish say his first his fist was given? Sorry. Oh, it's like killer or incorrect. The hammer or something. Oh, like correct. That. Okay, yeah, I'll yeah. give you that one. What does it say on the cover of the notebook that Coffee re- uh, retrieves Crypto. from the sub? Correct. Uh, when Lindsay goes to comfort Coffee over the warhead, what does she bang on the door with? A wrench. Incorrect. And that's it. That's it. That's it. Um, I got next to nothing, but I did write a couple of those down in my notes, but obviously I can't look at my notes. Let's blitz through the, this. It's the Mon, oh, Montana is the name of the... Sh- it is. The yeah, USS cool. so I knew it. Montana, Montana, but yep. you didn't get it in time. I'm just saying so. I knew it. I knew okay, it. you did know it. Um, New York Yankee, Yankees yeah, cool. on Bud's know. Hat. Oh, no baseball. So. Operation Salvo was the operation for the sunken sub. Ah, oh, I wrote that down. I said Salvo. Salvo. <laughs> operation Salvo. <laughs> yeah. I did. Gather all those old clones. Yep. 
Um, you got the wedding ring in the toilet. Yep. So that's good. Um, Hurricane Frederick. Frederick. Is what but they after. do say, oh, I think that they should always be named after women. Yeah, like Katrina yeah. and Helen or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I they're being, <laughs> they're being dicks. Lindsay's suit is orange when she's going down to the. No memory call. of that. Um, you got the hammer. Yep. Um, you got crypto. Yep. Um, Lindsay bangs on the door with a fire extinguisher. Oh, that's right. And then when she barges in, it's like she's gonna hit him with it, and then yeah. take it off and take her off there. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and the question that I didn't get to, I oh, ask yeah. anyway: Which wire does Bud have to cut to disarm the warhead? Um, I believe it's. Blue and yellow. Incorrect. Black and white. Incorrect. Blue with white stripes. stripes. Or... Or blue with a white stripe. I like that scene, by the way, because obviously in the dark, with illuminated by a glow stick. Yeah, it's like... It's the same it colour. the same. But what was the other colour, can you remember? So blue and black. No, no, blue what and did, white stripes. They didn't say what the black and They didn't say yellow what the colour was, was it? Yeah. Oh, it must have been yellow then or something. Maybe. Yeah. Um, but you got three out of ten. <sighs> That's cool. right. That's okay. That's okay. All right. Well, let's 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 wrap this up. Let's go straight into our rating. Out of uh, five VHS tapes, Jason, what did you give it? What did you do? Look, yeah, honestly, not what I expected. Um, but <laughs> I, I guess I probably should have known better with James Cameron. I should have expected more of a a realistic sort of thing, which is what we got. I think, but that sort of surprised me on on that end. But then also, for some reason in my head, I just thought the aliens were going to, or whatever the creatures was, were, were going to be the main, you know, havoc causes mm. of the film. And that wasn't the case. And I think that kind of left me a bit disappointed. Oh. The movie is all over the place with sort of tones yeah. and uh, there's subject matter that doesn't really go anywhere. I mean, I mean, it's there, so that's probably not true. But like I said, it would have been a better movie if it was just everything... Minus the aliens. You know what? I reckon somebody's probably done a cut like that. I'm going to do it myself if it's not out there. Yeah, cool. You got no, just skills. because all the other scenes are really cool. Um, but it's just so daunting, just like the scenes with the aliens, because it's just like, like, what is happening? But then, you know, follow-up scenes, like no one will really address or talk about it yeah. or actually be that overly amazed in what they just witnessed. Yeah. And it's sort of like... I, I do think they did kind of film this with it in mind, like, maybe we won't do the alien stuff. Okay. But I don't know who really does. I'm going to come in at a 3.5 just because there's a a lot of good performances, a lot of cool mm. scenes, a bit of tension that was really enjoyable. Yeah. Um, this movie is, like, it's well made. As an overall package, it just it just does not work. Yeah. <laughs> really. That's fair. It doesn't fully work. Sorry, it does work. It just doesn't work. Like, it doesn't work for me. For you. For me, yeah. So, three and out I, of five. I hear you. I hear you. Look, I, I agree. I agree that the, the tone kind of is all over the shop because of the aliens. I could see what you mean by what it, it you know, it would be quite a intense movie if the alien aliens weren't even there and they could very well do that. I am now going to Google to see if there is actually a, a, a alien free cut of the abyss. Cause... I'm going to do. I'm going to do the cut, and I'm going to kill characters. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they're going to thing. would have to die. Like it, um, Bud would have to die because there's no way he's getting out of there. Mm. That's just how the movie ends, right? That's it. No tidal waves. Nothing. Nothing. Just simply. Nothing. You die. Um, Fade to black. I <laughs> the this movie is intense. I loved it, although it wasn't what I expected. I 
was actually I actually enjoy the alien stuff. Like not I get that it detracts from the rest of the movie, but I enjoy the sequences as they are as well. So you got might have two different movies happening at once, but I don't really care because I kind of I, <laughs> yeah, I enjoy you'll it. You just take it. And the visual stuff was really cool. Like I like the big stingray ship that comes up. Like I just like that whole sequence. The the resuscitation scene is probably my favorite thing out of all of it. And I like I said I haven't seen anything as intense as that. I don't think I ever will. Like that was, it was really well made. The whole movie I think was really well made. I was very very sad to hear that um, both Ed Harris and Mary um, they don't talk about this movie. <laughs> they chose not to talk about it. Nobody so talks about this movie. Nobody talks about this movie. Um, but for me, it's a four out of five. Okay. So it's not perfect because I, I get the pacing and the tone and that it can't be a perfect movie for that reason, at, at the very least. But... Well, four's still pretty strong. Yeah. Still, I didn't even and special effects-wise, like, they're pretty conservative. It's only the water CGI and even that, it didn't look that bad for the first ever water CGI. I thought... Just in time for Liquid Terminator. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, no, that, yeah, absolutely. You're right. All right, that's it. So that was our Rewind to 1989, The Abyss. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Rewind and Review. As always, we'll remind you that any feedback, either positive or negative, or any Rewind requests can be sent to us via email at thatfilmstewpodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, or you can reach out to us on either That Film Stew or Rewind and Review's Facebook pages. Like and follow these pages while you're there. Subscribe and leave us a review on SoundCloud and iTunes as it does help others like yourself find the podcast. That Film Studio has a website where you can find our entire catalogue of episodes. Check it out, thatfilmstudiopodcast.com. Now, up next from us, uh, mm. Rob's actually ditching us. I'm going on holiday. He's going to Middle Earth. Yeah, I am. Check out the, the Hobbit Village. Yep. And some wine. And snow. And snow. It's going to be brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, so whilst you're away... Yeah. yeah, we could have pre-recorded something, but we didn't. Nah, we're we... unprepared. Um, so Luke's going to come over and help me, um, and we're going to tackle Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop. Do that's awesome. That's amazing. Did you say two? Not two. No, just no, no, the no, first no. one. Just the first one. What year was that? Um, uh, you put me on the spot. Um, ninety-four. Oh, there you go. Or eighty-nine. Oh. Or 84. <laughs> it's some sort of anniversary. <laughs> so, 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 so keep an eye out for that. Uh, thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of uh, Rewind and Review. We'll see you on our next trip. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library. I just got to ask this one, Cobb. Yeah. Very unprofessional. Is it work? No, it's uh, the wife. Oh, Rebecca. Hello. Hello.